Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting, as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. I am uh, spending another wonderful day in social isolation up here in Stony Point, Ontario. And today is a great day to reach out to my longtime client, friend, and good buddy. He is Arlo Guthrie. He is the production and lighting designer for Toss Film and Design. How are you doing today, buddy? Unbelievable. Thank uh, you. <laughs> you look now great. That, now that I can see you I, and hear you, I'm doing great. Oh, you're so sweet. I miss you too. Uh, for anybody who is listening, you can't see, but uh, Arlo is in a full hazmat suit with a N100 mask and mm. he's in a cave somewhere. Mm. It's an underground bunker. Location. We have some deer hanging. We have a lot of canned goods. <laughs> things are he is well. well prepared to weather the storm as, as long as it takes. That's right. Currently, uh, we're in the middle of a lawsuit because last year me and 18 other video friends of mine set up a business called Cooperative Video 19. So the short, <laughs> short version, that's COVID-19 and we trademarked it. So it's going to the Supreme Court because we want royalties every time everyone mentions that. We're going to be so <laughs> rich. I hope you've got Johnny Cochran on your team because he will totally get you that money. I do. I was speaking to that guy who, uh, what's his name, Abenaki or whatever, but he's in jail now. So we, I think mm. I'm worried that it's not going to go through. Your timing is terrible. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, are there, are they still having live, uh, live trials these days? Can you take things all the way to the, uh, to the Supreme Zoom court? court? Supreme Court's about to, um, hear some very interesting uh all the cases that trump is challenging saying that he's king so the next few weeks it's going to be interesting to see if he is king or we can see his tax returns (laughs) (laughs) and that's my legal update for uh usa today oh my god Uh, I would hope that uh, every time COVID-19 makes it onto the front page that you get your one penny. (laughs) Oh my God. Can you imagine that? That would just be legendary. Oh, what I I mean, what an evil way to, to prosper, but that would be pretty good. Hey, what was it? uh, Three Pete that, uh, that Pat, the the manager, the coach of the Lakers. I think he, think he coined the term three-peat and just yeah. made a, a killing off of that one. <laughs> God, okay, I'm never saying that again then. <laughs> yeah, be, be prepared. In fact, maybe if I monetize this, this video, I'll have to pay him. You'll have to bleep penny. it. Yeah. 
to scramble it. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. How did we get off topic already? So I wanted to reach out to you for a couple of reasons. Number one, because quite a few people on my, my audience have DM'd me or emailed me saying, hey, why haven't you talked to Arlo yet? And I was like, well, mm. because off camera, I talked to Arlo just before this whole thing hit. I was in Nashville and we got to go hang out. So I didn't want it to be anything ingenuine or anything like that. But at the same time, people wanted to hear from you. They want to hear what you're up to, what you're doing. And yeah, uh, I have to tell my mom to stop texting her about anyone. <laughs> I'm sure you were just chomping on the bit. You're like, why isn't Chris reaching out it's to like, me? I really want to have dear, a Zoom. Dear Chris, can you interview Arlo? I haven't heard from him. I was wondering what he's up to at the moment. So here we go. The other reason is because you and I have really gone to battle at times over designs and we've had some really deep 3 a.m. philosophical <laughs> conversations over color and movement. And to be honest, I miss those so much and I don't have anything to, to battle over right now. So I thought it would be a good reason to reach out to you and just kind of see if we can dig deep and come up with another discussion over why we should over or undercomplicate something or yeah. If, uh, okay. so maybe you and I can kind of impart onto some of the other people that are listening about what it means to really dig deep sometimes. And when it comes times to just say, fuck it, that that part does not need a cue. We thought it did for a few minutes and then we kind of played with it for a while and we realized, fuck it. That, that, that snare hit doesn't need anything. It's it's just a snare hit, and it should remain with its snare hitness, and not doesn't need yeah doesn't need a strobe to go with it. Yeah, I, so those things I think are incredibly um, personal choices, and I feel as though there's a current trend now to make the lights blink to every last thing that's happening musically, and. I like when I go see those shows. I think they're clever. I think they're insane. And I also sit there and look at it and think, I would never have the, the uh, patience to do that. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, this verse is blue and it looks great. So let's leave it out. I think you and I, our experience together working with the acts that we work for were very live musical acts. And I think that there wasn't, there was an underlying thing of always wanting to enhance what was happening on stage more than at a similar level, like almost like the lights are soloing when the band's soloing. So to me, it's always a very musical choice. I kind of like really lock into the music and I grew up playing music from when I was four years old. So a lot of those things are just deep inside me, the way that I feel things or hear things. And <clears throat> And the other thing that I think you and I both went through this, there are a lot of times where I think we met, did things and wanted to ambitiously make it overcomplicated. And at the end, it just didn't need any of that. And it works so much better when we took most of it out. This is just in our experience or my experience. Mm -hmm. So um, there's very few times when a tour has gone out or we, we've been going for a while and I come back, I look at it and I'm like, man, I should have put 80 more cues in that. <laughs> so, and I think that that's the test. You know, if you come back to it and you look at it and you're like, damn, we phoned that thing in or it was, 
we should have been programming it, but it was 3 a.m. and we were talking about a shade of red and talking about how our kids fight or something instead of programming 70 more cues. Um, and I think that also one difference that I know about that's really interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of uh, rope you in with my thing, but we kind of grew up lighting the stage and then doing the enhancements on top. And I think in the last 10 years, there's been a lot of people that do it the complete opposite way where they sit down and they put all the bits in and all the sprinkles and they're like, oh, we need a little bit of light here. Or we, you know, and I kind of, that, I love that. That's insane. Like I, <laughs> I can't, I can't do that because I have to kind of start with the basis and do it that way from whatever habitual things are within me. But I love seeing people approach it from a way that I, up until I saw them do it and make it work, seemed literally insane. One of the trends that I'm seeing is, is a lot of people at home doing so much previs, they have so much more time available to them to hit all these different things, all every snare, every bass. And so by the time they show up to rehearsals, they're already... 90% ahead of where you and I would have been when we, ha when we had just a blank show file. Yeah. I wonder if a lot of the times they're holding on to things that worked in previs that don't necessarily work live because they've already invested that amount of time into those looks and those hits and those, those stabs. Yeah, I, the other the other metric that I use is friends of mine that aren't lighting people that go to shows, especially smaller shows or, or medium-sized shows, and they say the lighting was amazing. And in almost every case, it's because it was super time-coded and it was super... And so that, that to me is kind of interesting, especially a lot of younger people. That's their metric of of how good a light show is, the fact that everything's blinking on every little hit. And so that's, um, I don't think I'm going to change my style too much. There are artists that I work for that, that have that kind of music. And I think that that lighting suits that music. And I do do that. But on the whole, uh, most of my clients and most of my work has been with a band that plays live and it's all triggered live. And, and as a result, you can't, there's only a certain level you can trick it out even with, some of the best operators on the planet, such as yourself. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> one of the discussions I had with you that I had never heard before was you said that one of your clients didn't want to have video because if you use video, you have to use time code. And to which you responded, uh, no, you don't. Yeah. Which is a very, in a very simple Arlo way, like, well, that's, not true at all. Yes, you're totally making that up and you're out of your mind. Let me show you how. I mean, yeah, that, again, kind of a lot of misnomers and I think a lot of, a lot of designers are driving those, those kind of ideals and I, and I see how you would do that. And uh, to me, when I design a tour and I let it go out on the road, that's, that's its own kind of living thing. And I think that the band and the lighting director and whoever else is creatively involved, um, it's their right to adapt things or to do whatever they want. I, I've never thought that I'm giving you this thing and it has to be exactly that every single night. Mm -hmm. um, 
if I was hired on that and it all had to be like that, then obviously time code's a great way to do it. Time code's obviously a, a really amazing way to, to lock everything and to make sure that it's all completely in sync. But um, I think that if there's an option, I'd probably, I personally would want to run it live every night anyway. But um, yeah, we did. I, I built a thing for Elvis Costello last year that was, it was kind of reasonably complicated. It had, you know, on, on every musical change, it had a clip that, cha that changed. And at the end of every clip, it had to have kind of a little bit of a run out for when he wanted to solo longer or he wanted to do four more bars or he played it a bit slower. And it kind of, it was a lot of work. It, was, it would have been so much easier. He's not really an artist you can go to and say, you've got to put everything on time code. But, uh, you know, the idea that you would have got that and you would have got the arrangements and just printed that whole thing and it would have run every night, obviously, is a, is a, uh, a much tighter, reliable kind of um, uh, solution. But a lot of times I enjoy falling those evil machines into doing what I want. It's such a simple step from having video like say uh, where somebody's singing in the video that has to be time coded. That makes perfect sense. That's a tool that we should use. Sure. But then to leap to, well, if I'm going to have any video or any content, I have to time code the whole show. That's, that's just not actually the case. You can, we can get so creative with content. We can put content where it belongs and where it doesn't. And even then we can content the, we can time code the content that needs it and not yeah. time code the, the content that doesn't need it. Yeah. I wonder if it's the modern day programming ideals that have leaked over into the artist's uh, repertoire that they're like, well, yeah, if, if somebody said we have to time code it, then we have to, whereas it's not always the case. There's that. And I also think that a lot of artists musically, when they come out of the studio, there's so many other layers and so many other parts that, uh, you know, it's more important for them sonically to have tracks playing back uh, which, you know, instantly gives us time code and the ability to, to sync everything to that, um, as opposed to even like a lot of bands that you would think are just, uh, you know, hands-on musicians playing their thing. A lot of them still have backing tracks and things like that. There's, you know, I think that it's definitely fading the amount of artists that just go out and play every night. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I... I work for all two of them, so that's perfect. <laughs> they sought you out. Because... Like, get that old guy. You kind of <laughs> check him out of the Smithsonian for a week. Put him in a frame. Yeah, when I was working for some or a couple uh, select clients, my used my wife used to call me the the hospice LD. She was like, <laughs> brutal. Better start advertising at the old folks' home as yeah. an LD. It's true, but I think part of the thing that's amazing is our wives and our friends called us that 15 years ago, and now 15 years later, they're still touring those people. Still touring. So, still so yeah. Touring. So, they're um, going to survive this better than we do. Yeah, sure. yeah. Wouldn't be hard, but yeah, true. Uh, one of the things that you mentioned is that you have the ability to run shows and design shows and create content. You have and production design and lighting design. You you can do a little bit of everything. What are the determining factors for you to decide when to do something 
or take on that hat and to, or to farm it out to somebody else and hire somebody to do something. Uh, as I'm getting older, that's moving to farm the entire thing out. <laughs> I just, nice. I think, you know, there was definitely when I was younger, there were, there were two things that happened. One, most of the people that I work for, I was ambitious enough to say, I want to do everything. And most of the people that I work for were like, that's fine with us. Um, and each new thing that came on, you know, it kind of, we're going through that thing where, you know, first of all, it was lights and then it was lights in a set. And then, and then it was, you know, something more than that. And then it was video and then it was the video content. And, you know, as those things stepped through that there was a combination of, ambition stroke ego of me wanting to do it and kind of keep control of it. And then also uh, the artists were like, yeah, that suits us, you know? Um, I, I definitely quickly reached my limit for the content stuff. A on the time and B just people were just making beautiful stuff. And I think that, at the beginning, while it was good for me to keep control over everything and have a very tight rein on, on everything and know that I could fake this in the video and get away with it in the lighting or, and also just knowing that, right, this is how I want this whole thing to look. Um, as time went on and, and I think, uh, you know, prep time got shorter and projects got more ambitious, I, I realized pretty quickly that it's like, I'm going to have other people help me with all this stuff that I want it to be really good. And then this stuff down here that I can get away with it being pretty crap. I'll still do that. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's kind of where it got to. And it, and what's weird now that things are kind of shut down a bit, I've kind of got this kind of whatever goofy skill set where if something comes up and someone wants something animated, I can do that <laughs> and send it to them or someone wants, you know, something lit for a TV shoot, I can kind of go do that too. So, you know, in a way it's kind of worked out where I'm not like, I don't know how to do any of that anymore. And I only know how to spend Gali the, the, the everyone else. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely as I get older, I, I just don't want to a work that hard. All that kind of pressure, but, but I do know that, it has helped on, on some of the bigger things that I've farmed out, like most of the content, um, the way uh, it has helped knowing that at three o'clock in the morning, I can re-edit something really quick or I can loop it or I can, you know, do something that doesn't have to go back to the team and they don't have to go here and make something. And, you know, it's just like, I can do it really quick, send it straight out. And same thing with programming. It's like, you know, I'm there with a programmer and, you know what, I'm going to do this song, go take a break and I'll smash it out. When you get back, you can spend three hours fixing it and working out <laughs> why you, I didn't use a preset or anything. <laughs> for better or for worse, you have the ability to do yeah. that. No, so I program that song. Cares. What are you talking yeah. about? I program that song by myself. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, there have been times where I've taken on a show and I'm like Arlo, Arlo had programmed in here. I can tell, I can see some Arlo programming in here. I think the biggest giveaway for me is the comments in the info section. There's certain vernacular Australian terrible slang that mm -hmm. I often refer to, to usually when it's a super important cue and I'll think of the worst appalling Australian slang to put in there just so that you remember. 
<laughs> yeah, Grogan is definitely one of those unique uh, ones. Every a, time I see that, I know that that's got Arlo written all over it. Yeah, FFS, that's another one that's in there quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, I used to think that Trash Can was unique to you, but I, I'm finding that more. No, more. I ripped that one off. Yeah. I ripped that one off. Um, yeah, there's a few. I got Bratton from Jason Berry, and it's, it's very German, and it, it completely fits what the lights are doing when you yell it very loud in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I like those things. I like the fact that there's some like weird, you know, second world war code busters out there that can read who, <laughs> who built this yeah. song three years ago or whatever. I think that must've been a lesson that you had to learn the hard way trying to do everything and trying to control all the factors I'd imagine one day something came up where, you know, you had to update content and update lights and get the shutter cuts while the scenery is on set. And you're like, man, I can't, I can't do all three of these at this level anymore. You know, I think it's just that time in rehearsals where there's two things that happen. One, everyone that's younger than me and smarter than me is like, we're not going to do it. That's stupid. Like let's get good people to help out and still charge double what that idiot Australian's charging. And the other thing was just like, especially in rehearsal, it's just so many times in Nashville, I've been there rehearsing. And on the day that I get there, I call everyone up and say, Oh, I'm going to be here for two, three weeks. Let's hang out. And three weeks later I go home and all I've seen is the rehearsal and the bed in the hotel. Mm -hmm. And that's just like an indication that you should have more people there <laughs> yeah. you know, or, or some help. So I think also the other thing for me is I've always been like to a detriment, very fiscally responsible and very, I think I just got beaten into me at an early age of band. The band didn't want to pay for this or, you know, you've got to, you'd be responsible for, the budget and stuff, which I know has held me back. And I think that people that create with, without those constraints come up with much better ideas and usually still get them realized. And so I think that a lot of times it's like, well, you can hire eight people or you can hire me. And now I don't care anymore. You should hire those. You should hire 10 people and I'll make them all coffee. It's going to be perfect. Yeah. I would imagine now you're at a place where you should hire me and I'll hire those 10 people and I'll, uh, yeah. And they'll hire like 30 more people and yeah. uh, we'll, we'll just, we'll stay at home and open up our COVID-19 royalty checks. that just came in. <laughs> Being able to sit in all three of those seats, does it make it easier for you to be able to interpret and translate from artist speak into programmer speak? or into animator speak saying something that some totally. crazy, crazy old lady is talking about. And you're like, Oh, so no, I'm not saying warp it. I'm saying pinch it, stuff like yeah, that. All of that. Uh, I mean, honestly, it, it totally does. And the couple of projects that I worked with recently where I just did lights, it was awesome to know exactly how everyone else was doing things, not to never like stepping on their toes. Like it was always a very, uh, complimentary kind of uh, experience, but definitely knowing what it takes to do that or, you know, 
knowing that there's always a different way to do something. And, and I, I think that I, a lot of times err on the easiest way to do things, which again is another fault of mine. And so a lot of times now when we're working with super technologically complex things or disguise servers that are talking to you, you know, your toilet flusher that's hooked up to your doorbell or what have you, you know, there's always a piece of string that could do that, that I have in my pocket. And so I think that a lot of times on, on these projects now, coupled with the, you know, the short timeline and people being tired and, and the ambition and pressure from the artist and management and whatever, a lot of times the simplest thing gets it done at three o'clock in the morning. And I pride myself on, my father told me years ago, it's driven by laziness. And I would probably agree with him. I'm like, oh man, there's a much lazier, easier way to do this. And I know how. <laughs> so, um, but, it, but anyway, it, it definitely helps. And I think that, you know, it's, it's really good when you can collaborate with people kind of on that level and you know how to get yourselves into things or get out of things. And it, it, it's definitely helped me to know. Also, I, I just don't, I think from a very early age, I never liked the idea that someone would ask me something and I didn't know how to do it, like in, or didn't know mm -hmm. the answer, and especially from an artist. And there was, I mean, I got to the stage where I just didn't care anymore. I turned around and go, you know what? I don't know that answer, but that took a while. Yeah. And so now it's kind of fun where you're like, oh, no, I do know about that. Or we know we don't need to do it that way because we need a five pin cable and that will fix the whole thing. <laughs> or whatever yeah whatever just simply knowing the time frame necessary to make some things happen is probably a huge leg up for you to be able to say yeah we can do that but it's going to take us two days to put together that content the way you imagine it and at the level that you require yeah for you to be, just be able to say off the top of your head like that that's going to take two days because i know in my head, the, the process that takes to get that level of content at that, the definition and the yeah level that you require. Yeah. Or, or we can do it tonight and it's going to look like this, your choice, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, those, those, I mean, look, all that process is just problem solving after problem solving. And the second you've solved one, there's another 20 that are coming at you. So knowing, how to get around those things and, and, and also in collaboration, not ever like I'm the only one that knows, but you know, just working to everyone's strengths. I think it, that, that definitely helps because we're, we're not getting any longer periods of time to get these things going. No. And, but at least they're a thousand times complicated than they were when we used to get a month to get it going. Yep. Keep, Shoveling the, the technology in there to make uh, it faster and more complicated. It yeah. Do you find that getting out of the programmer chair and into the lighting designer chair and even production designer chair, that on top of the technology, you're actually piling on more and more politics as well? Like in my department or like in what kind of scenario? Are you finding you're having to release a lot of the technological button pressing to just talk to artists and input and follow leads and make people happy and, you know, play the game and all the politics and try and, uh, trying to appease more people. 
Yeah, my experience now is a lot of the a lot of the artists are a million times more busy as well, or their schedule is even mm. more insane. So there's actually my contact with a lot of artists, including younger artists, is one millionth of what it used to be with other with people, or, you know, people that I used to work for. So you really got to kind of, you really got to A, make that count and B, you've got to kind of be confident and know how to use everyone to get the job done. So in terms of, you know, giving up things or, or letting other people be in charge of more stuff, I, that doesn't bother me if, if it's all going well and they're people that I like okay. and, they, and they know what they're doing. I think that that's, um, that's a really good uh, creative way to, to, get to the final product and to get through. But, but definitely I feel like there's, there's definitely a lot more people with an opinion now and you get much less time than you want or should talking through things and, and interacting with the artist from my experience. Yeah. Uh, your role, especially you've dealt with clients that you get five equally weighted opinions being fired at you and you kind of have to sift through and try and figure out, well, I'm only going to be able to make one person happy out of five. So four yeah. people are going to go away from this discussion unhappy. Oh, they're going to hate me for sure. <laughs> so how, yeah, does one, I, how does one sort through those politics there? How do you decide who gets to be happy and who gets to pack sand? So, <laughs> so, What's funny, for my personal story with that, for the longest time, I just worked for people who had a distinct boss. They were either one person, a solo, you know, singer, songwriter, artist, or it was a band that had one person who, who had all the say. And so when I got to that stage where there were, where there were more of these acts that had multiple, um, or all of them were, were equally important, uh, it took a lot of uh, learning and growing <laughs> from me to learn how to work that out. And uh, in, in the one particular uh, scenario that we shared, it just took, a, it, it kind of took on a uh, industrial relations, United Nations kind of <laughs> <laughs> negotiation kind of uh, scenario that I, I was never trained for and I never thought I had the skills for and I just kind of had to play all the sides and all the managers and, and in the system I got to was kind of like, if this is your moment or this is your song, your vision will prevail to, to each individual artist. And mm -hmm. funnily enough, I think we wound up with a really cool show that was kind of oddly diverse and, and, and showcased all kinds of different kind of tastes. And I feel as though, Anytime there was something extreme in any direction, I kind of like pulled it back to say, hey, you know, with your, you're letting them have this. Now we're going to kind of let you have this kind of thing. And, and it worked out in the end, but it, but it was kind of, it was definitely hard work. And it's definitely, look, I, the other thing is I don't like disappointing anyone or having anyone angry at me or pissed at me. I, and I've never been a huge fan of people yelling at me. So, <laughs> kind of, you know, anything I could do to, to get through that uh, was, um, 
was kind of part of that learning, growing experience. And, and also I think that, you know, a lot of times now when an artist is yelling at you, it's, it's for some other reason, they're frustrated with something else. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of, there's, that's part of the job, juggling all the personalities and trying to keep everyone happy. Sometimes in some organizations, you've got to keep someone happy that you don't feel is worthy and, or even should have a say. And that's an even more challenging, bizarre kind of scenario to have to deal with, but that's all, all part of it. Makes, makes you realize that the good, easy jobs are much gooder and much easier than you ever thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As the, as the digital age progresses, you're finding more and more people that have their, that need to have their say, they need to have their, their spoon in the soup as you will, because they're. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, a lot of, you know, there used to be a trajectory with a band where, you know, you'd start and you had a tour manager and then you had a production manager and then you had this and then you had that and you had a manager and what have you. And a lot of younger acts come out of the bat and they've got their publicist on the road and they've got three Mm -hmm. photographers and they've got two managers and the road manager and, all of a sudden, even though you're dealing, you've been hired by one person, you're kind of juggling 10 or 12 people's inputs uh, at any given time. Some of them have ulterior motives. Some of them have knowledge. Some of them have neither. Um, it's just right. a matter of, of kind of working out how to balance all that and, and get what you want. You can also learn from those people. I mean, a lot of times I am very guilty of writing people off under my breath very quickly. <laughs> But in almost every case, I have to remind myself this, in almost every case, you'll learn something good from them or they become an ally. Or So, uh, yeah, it's, God, how did we ever work in this industry? What a zoo. <laughs> yeah, every once in a while, the cousin, the band member's cousin uh, will pop up and you'll be like, who are you? Yeah. Well, actually, no, I do actually know what I'm talking about. And then oh, yeah. It's, it's so easy to write them off as a cousin until yeah. they... They come up with a brilliant idea. And you're like, oh, that is? Yeah. That's a great idea. I'm, yeah. I'm glad I thought of that. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to go tell everybody what a, what a brilliant idea I just came yeah. up with. Well, what you do first is you go straight to the artist and you say, hey, I've got to tell you, your cousin's trying to rip off my ideas. And he's probably <laughs> going to come and tell you that he thought of that amazing pink scene that we made that mm-hmm. you love. It yeah. was actually me, just so you know. It was me. So do you just have to rely on your gut feeling when it comes time to decide what makes it in and what's worth fighting for and what's what you need to tuck tail and go like, no, that, that was a much better idea than mine. Oh yeah. I think all, you know, gut. Uh, all gut. And also it's just, it's another part of the puzzle and part of the project that you're managing. I mean, I do, I honestly believe that, my job more often than not is closer to a project management job than a creative artistic job. Um, it, it seems like it, you, the least amount of time you're left with is to be artistic. And so you're kind of more managing the project of like, yeah. we've got this much time. I want to put it into here, or I want this to be really good and I don't want this. Um, and And I think a lot of times, also with the artists that I've worked for recently, even if it's a killer idea, 
you just kind of got to put it to them and say, this is what you're going to lose if we take this away. And of course I want it in because your cousin thought of it, but I'm taking credit for it. But uh, you know, if it goes away, it goes away. And the last, the last Miranda Lambert tour, we started out with huge lofty thing and everyone was really excited. And then we kind of looked at it and the accountants looked at it and they're like, I think we should get rid of most of this stuff. And we did. And we kind of, I, and more of those things now, I just try and turn that into a personal challenge more than being super bummed out that my amazing glitterati chandelier that exploded didn't make it into the show because it was going to be 12 million dollars a night or whatever it is you know i think you've got to we still get to create things and we still get to do this kind of insane fairy tale job and so Mm -hmm. uh you know and I, i i feel as though i'm charged with bringing the whole thing you know to the audience and no one else knows that we wanted it to be this big or, or whatever. So just kind of got to get through, but yeah, there's definitely a, uh, a value judgment placed on everything. And there's things that I definitely fight for. And there's things that I just know. I think also a lot of times with me, when it actually comes to dealing with the artists, with these things, someone else has already called me and we've had the discussion. And so you kind of know either the backstory or, you know, what's driving the artist's decision. And if it's just money, you can make a case for it. But if it's something else where they feel they'll be upstaged or they don't think they'll like it, or they don't think it's safe or for whatever reason, then it's good to know what they're thinking on that stuff. uh, Just so that you can kind of understand whether it's worth your while fighting it and ending up looking like a tool or if you can just drop it and move on and put your efforts into something else, which hopefully makes it still good. I guess we're just dependent on our clients to be able to voice why they don't like something. If they can, if they can easily say like, Hey, I don't think that's safe or I think that's going to upstage me or I don't think that fits all too often. It just comes out with, Whatever that is, I fucking hate it. Yes, no, you are right, and and again, that's that's definitely one of the one of those skills that I've kind of learnt to try and work out what the backstory to anything is, and it could be anything. It could be my yeah. dog. My dog's sick, so I hate you. Um, yeah. All too often, it's like, hey, that glitterati uh, chandelier reminds me of my ex's. Kitchen. Yeah, totally. So, so yeah. get rid of that. Like, yeah. well, we just spent twelve million on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Give a fuck. Get, I'm sorry. Get when, gone. when I was at your ex's, I didn't use the bathroom, so I didn't see it in there. Otherwise, <laughs> I would have known. <laughs> yeah. See, I don't know if you know, but I just spent a month worth of a design and inspiration putting that together in a in a warehouse and. Everybody yeah. else has signed off at it. Now you're seeing it for the first time and you're just going to cut it just like that. Yes. Yes, I am. Can you get over that. No, no. I <laughs> I, again, as I've got older, I care less and less about that stuff, you know, or, or as you say, you know, if it's something I really super care about, then, then I'd make a big point. But I think, you know, the longer you work with people in this industry, the more you're going to have your dreams crushed at some stage. So. <laughs> that, is, that is so honest. That is radical right there. Just, 
And after that, entertainment business, prepare to have your dreams crushed and your just trampled. That's it. After the 200th dream, you just don't care anymore. It's like, whatever. Let let your cousin program the whole show. I think that's a great idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll sit back and collect a check. Yeah, if it works out that way, sure. So one of the other really tough ones that you've had to deal with that I really admire is you've taken on some other client, other designers, mega shows. Mm. Whereas they just, they couldn't, they could no longer run it or they just, there was a clash of egos or uh, timing or something. Yeah. And you've had the, uh, the guerrilla warfare style introduction of like, Hey, so this guy's not working out anymore. We want you start tomorrow. <laughs> yes, that has happened. Oh, <laughs> uh, I can only imagine that's just a political gunfire right there. How do you, how do you survive that? I think, well, there's two kind of separate instances. One is that I'm coming in to take over something that's had someone for a long time that the, the artist wasn't happy for, happy with. And I just, I just approach that like I'm coming in to help. Like I'm not coming in to steal anything or take anything away from anyone. And if this works out and I can do it and I can listen to what you want and what I do and what everyone else thinks I should do and hang on for dear life, then kind of I'll be okay. And then there's other things with, you know, just a couple of scenarios with just timing where people committed to other jobs or what have you and things ran over and, and I got to come in and, it's kind of interesting. It, sometimes you feel like you make a huge uh, contribution and get no credit or very little credit. Um, and sometimes you feel like you come in and you get way too much credit, you know, mm-hmm. when, when the reality is, is the basis of, of everything that, that we're, we've got out there is kind of pretty much, already in place and you just kind of came in and you know, it's like, it's, it's almost like a relief driver. The car's already built. You've got all the mechanics. <laughs> They've already done like 900 laps. You've got to get in it for 10 mm-hmm. and just put the foot down to the floor and don't crash and you'll be okay. And I think also, as you were touching on earlier, just the ability, having done things and been in position of responsibility and, uh, you know, designing the video and making the content and doing all that kind of stuff. Most of these scenarios are kind of easy because you're walking in, not easy, but you're working in with people that want it to work. You know, in those scenarios, when you walk in, everyone's having a breakdown. You know, the artist is having a breakdown, the crew hates everything. You know, it's kind of a nightmare and you've got this fresh kind of uh, perspective on it and you can, and you can, and for me, I'm just like, I'm, I'm here now and let's see how we do it. And if they didn't like that before, I'll accept responsibility now and see if we can just get through. So I kind of don't, I, I would definitely prefer not to make a habit of those kind of things because they mm-hmm. are, they are stressful. And, and the other thing a lot of times it's, it's kind of weird taking over someone's, uh, kind of work or, or stepping into a scenario, especially when it's someone that you greatly respect or 
like or know socially or what have you. It's different if you're helping them out and you know what's going on. But, mm-hmm. um, but there's always going to be those kind of politics. I mean, I've had that happen to me. I've had, you know, mm-hmm. people call up and say, hey, you know, that show that you're doing tonight, the band called me today about your job. And I think normally my response to that is you should take it. Because <laughs> <laughs> by the time they're calling you, they're way over me. So, yeah. and, and also, you know, people's tastes change or, you know, the things that you were talking to before people get in their ear or you, you know, sometimes you just outstay your welcome or, or whatever. And I think that, you know, musicians change musicians change their look they change their music they you know they're going to change everything else around them too so Mm -hmm. yeah it's really hard to separate your ego from that and say well i'm not going to get a paycheck and they don't want me back but it has nothing to do with me yeah yeah i mean i i think in the scenarios where that happened to me it's kind of like deep down it's like yeah this is it's kind of a drag but somehow i'll get something good out of it i probably won't realize it for 10 years after i've disparaged them on every social media site <laughs> on the planet but i'll uh, 10 years i'll learn a lesson <laughs> yeah that's a tough one we used to have to just uh, stew in silence on oh, stuff, in yeah, but now we can you can uh, your your anger and your rage can make you g- Make your your anger and rage can go viral in just a matter of moments. Yeah, save it to the draft box. Go to sleep and check in the morning if you still want to spend it. <laughs> I've definitely used that technique more than once. So when you take over another gig, do you feel the need to add your impression, add your influence, or is it more often than not that you just kind of you're trying to maintain status quo and see it through to the end? Uh, it depends what the where the artist's at. And I think okay. that also for me, you know, in a couple of scenarios when I came in to do that, uh, I kind of wanted to be a bit more conspicuous because I felt like the show already had kind of an identity and the artist wanted that identity. So I was kind of willing to to kind of follow that a bit more. Okay. Um, and And... You know, there's so many, and I think that this is kind of one of the bummers about what we do now is there's now, <laughs> and I liken this to movies. You know, if you watch a movie that was made in the 50s, the credits roll and there's 30 people in the credits and that's kind of everyone that worked on the film. And now when you look at the credits, you know, for a Marvel film, there's like 3,000 people that have credits because it takes that many people to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that on a on a concert and, and lighting and tours and stuff, there's so many people that make amazing contributions and artistic uh, contributions on all kinds of levels that kind of just, you know, it's either, you know, normally all the credits just, uh, you know, piled on the top two people, I would say in any kind of department. And you've got all kind of people all the way down to the bottom of the crew, truck drivers, anyone, kind of making some kind of core contribution. And so in these scenarios, I think that, you know, if, if it's already going and the artist's into it, then I just say, I'll, I'll use my sensibilities to get the job done and, and work out what, what it needs. And, and in the other scenarios where you're coming in to rescue something that's in the toilet, then it's like, 
it's all about me coming in and turning it into, you know, what I would do in this mm-hmm. scenario, given the fact I've already got all these things in place that a lot of them, which I might not choose or in positions that I might not want, but we'll just mm-hmm. forge ahead and try and solve the problem. Yeah. In that place, you're just a, a janitor, basically you're cleaning up everything and rebuilding a whole new, whole new look. And because that's what, that's yeah. why the last person didn't, uh, didn't maintain. Yeah. I mean, I think in most jobs I'm the janitor, quite honestly. <laughs> janitor slash meat pie deliverer. You're great at both. Yeah. A stroke, um, appalling singer of the band mm-hmm. songs. Um, what else? Some acrobatics sometimes, mm-hmm. I think. Usually don't end well, but yep. it's the attempt that counts, I think. Are you getting wise enough to know when to avoid those sort of situations? Are you turning down bad situations yet? Oh, God. No, I mean, I think this is part of the thing that's so oddly addictive about what we do <laughs> is that I enter into every job with the the naivety of when I was 15 years old. Literally, you know. Oh, my God, the Tiger King wants me to go to Mars without a spacesuit and uh, light this show for like five bucks, and I can't believe he called me. I'm so excited. (laughs) Ray Charles could see that's a bad choice. Yeah. Um, So, no, I mean... That, no, <laughs> I no, Christy, of, I, I, I got to give you a big hug and a kiss because I'm off to Mars to yeah, like the Tiger literally. King's Yeah, doesn't that uh, sound amazing? Season. And then, of course, Christy has to listen to me get home or call every day and go, this job sucks. What if, you know, <laughs> everyone's a dickhead. I don't have a spacesuit. Like, who, who the hell would do this? I literally just lost a finger to a tiger oh on Mars. God. And I and I don't think he's going to pay me. Like this is so dumb. Yeah. Think of no. the tens of dollars I'm going to be sending him. I know. So space space bucks. I would imagine he's going to pay me in space bucks. Yeah. No, I still do that. The big my biggest offense with that is helping out local people in Minneapolis who I love, and being a kind of a transplant here and being someone that worked outside of town for years and years and no one ever knew that I I was here. When I started working for. Uh, these artists in town. It was fun to meet people and be part of the community. Um, but a lot of those times I'm like, oh my God, why did I volunteer for this? I mean, it's still, I still guess it goes on the karma board, but mm. it's usually, uh, I usually work more than I should have. Your, your pro bono work that uh, ties you over, you're like, well, Yeah. Or even, or the pro bono stuff is fine. It's when you get, you do something that's maybe five grand's worth of work and you get offered $50. I think that's that. That's Mm. like, man, you should just keep that money. (laughs) Don't don't worry about it. (laughs) I'll, I'll send me a receipt so I can claim it as a charity on my tax next year. I'm just going to file this away under gigs that I took to remember, to remind myself why the other gigs are so much better. <laughs> that, that filing cabinet is so full. <laughs> it's my, my underground storage locker with the deer hanging in it is full of those as well. That's why that was originally built. Yeah. 
to store those jobs I should never have said yes to. Some people learn after like two or three to stop taking those gigs, but some people don't. I'm telling you, that phone rings. I'm like, oh my God, this sounds great. My wife is like, you're an idiot. You're still an idiot. Yep. And uh, you have to try and convince her that you're not, to, for her to t- allow you to take it. Yeah, that's a lost Only, cause, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're, like a, you're like a Don Quixote of lighting. You're just attacking those windmills no matter how many times they, they beat that's you. That's right. I know. But everybody they, loves you. Everybody they loves do. You. That sail just keeps whipping around, smashing me in the head every time. <laughs> oh, God. That is a full file folder. Yes. Oh, God. Overflowing. Oh, man. So which, which ones do you, looking back, which ones do you enjoy the most? The ones that you had to work harder and got paid less or the ones that you got paid more and enjoyed less? I, I mean, this is, maybe this is brought on by the fact that, you know, maybe we'll never do this again as long as we live. <laughs> But kind of every gig's good. You know, every, yeah. this is, I have this theory that no one cares about us in the, in the current kind of climate because we, you know, financially or, you know, any of our hardships, because we used to have the best job on, ever, you know, mm. fly around all the time, all these crazy things. And yeah, there's hard work and there's, there is a downside to things and kind of a, you know, a dark kind of evil side to, to what we do, but also, pretty damn good you know and the idea also that you know you get to paint a 200 foot wide picture that changes every two seconds for two hours Mm -hmm. that 18,000 people a night get to see that's just insane it's ridiculous so yeah I would look there's very very few gigs I look back and go man that was such a huge stinker that i there's nothing I could, nothing good I can say about it. Um, there's always something good that came out of everything. I think, even even if it was the experience of knowing I shouldn't ever do that again. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I can feel the optimism radiating through the screen right now. I love it. You know me, ever optimist. Ever, ever optimist. <laughs> Right on. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Arlo. This has been great. I, uh, oh, I would rather be doing this in front of a console with, uh, with some sushi and uh, oh, some, some sake, yes. but yeah, here definitely. we are. I'm in my, yeah. my cargo pants and a, and a hard rock t-shirt. Uh, but I just have the t-shirt. I have no pants on. It's I wasn't going to ask. Gonna <laughs> Don't ask. stand up. <laughs> thank you so much, Arlo. I appreciate Mate, your time. Thank you. Great to see you and speak to you again.